We welcome you in Jesus' name to uh, Grace Free Lutheran Church in Maple Grove, Minnesota. If you're watching online, we're glad to have you with us. We pray the Lord will encourage you and uh, strengthen you as we worship the Lord together this morning. Just a few announcements. Father's Day, welcome to all fathers. Thankful for the godly example of Christian dads. Uh, Many of us um, dads are probably with the Lord. But we remember them and thank God for them. And those of you who are fathers here this morning and listening online, we pray for you. Thank God for you and trust the Lord will continue to work in your life as we uh, endeavor to be the the kind of father that is a light and uh, a blessing to our, our families. If you would like to give an offering, there's an offering plate in the back of the sanctuary as well as the atrium. Um, Giving to the Lord's work as part of, of worship as well. Uh, Psalm 112, verses 1 and 2, is our call to worship. Praise the Lord, how blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. His descendants will be mighty on earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Let's pray. Father, thank you this morning for who you are. We can call you today our Father because of Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life. Lord, you are a perfect Father who loves us unconditionally, and we thank you for that uh, privilege to be a part of your family. Lord, as fathers, we know that we are not perfect. We fall short in so many ways. But Lord, would you work in us? that which is pleasing in your sight. And we pray, Lord, for this time of worship, that your name, Lord, would be honored and glorified in this place. We thank you, Lord, that we can pray for one another. We continue to pray for Wayne and Sharon and Leanne. Lord, you're aware of their needs today, and we just commit them to you. And Father, thank you for this day. This is the day that you have made. Lord, we will rejoice and be glad in it. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You're welcome to remain seated this morning as we begin singing, joining our our hearts and our voices together in worship to our God. Who 
Scripture reading this morning taken from Hebrews chapter 11 and reading verses 1 through 7. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 through 7. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the men of old gained approval. 
By faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. By faith Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous, God testifying about his gifts, and through faith, though he is dead, he still speaks. By faith Enoch was taken up so that he would not see death, and he was not found because God took him up. For he obtained the witness that before his being taken up, he was pleasing to God. And without faith it is impossible to please him, For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. By faith Noah, being warned by God about things not yet seen, in reverence prepared an ark for the salvation of his household, by which he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. So many who have gone before us have walked by faith. May we too walk by faith as we seek our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ each and every day. Let's continue to worship. we see the hand of God in the light of creation's grand design in the lives of those who prove his faithfulness who walk by faith and not by sight by faith our fathers roam the With the power of the promise in their hearts Of a holy city built by God's own hand A place where peace and justice reign We will stand as children of the promise We will fix our him the soul's reward till the race is finished and the work is done we'll walk by faith and not by sight by faith the prophet saw a day when the longed for Messiah would appear with the power to break the chains of sin and death and rise triumphant from the grave. By faith the church was called to go in the power of the Spirit to the of the earth. 
this mountain shall be moved and the power of the gospel shall prevail for we know in Christ all things are too often that I'm here on Father's Day, which is kind of an interesting thing, but our church annual conference uh, usually ends on a Sunday on Father's Day. And so depending where we are, it's kind of hard to get back on Father's Day. And so I'd like to share a little bit to fathers from uh, Genesis chapter 6, looking at the life of a faithful father, a man by the name of Noah. Uh, Genesis chapter 6, and he, uh, he lived in a challenging time, a very challenging time, and we do today as well, and so we learn some good uh, lessons here this morning about being a faithful father. So I want to begin reading in Genesis chapter 6, uh, starting at verse 5. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth. And that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. The Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. The Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, from man to animals to creeping things and to the birds of the sky, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. These are the records of the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his time. Noah walked with God. Noah became the father of three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in the sight of God, and the earth was filled with violence. God looked on the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way upon the earth. Then God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. And behold, I'm about to destroy them with the earth. 
Make for yourself an ark of gopher wood. You shall make the ark with rooms and shall cover it inside and out with pitch. This is how you shall make it the length of the ark, 300 cubits, its breadth 50 cubits, and its height 30 cubits. You shall make a window for the ark and finish it to a cubit from the top and set the door, door, door of the ark in the side of it. You shall make it with lower second and third decks. Behold, I, even I, am bringing the flood of water upon the earth to destroy all flesh, in which is the breath of life from under heaven. Everything that is on the earth shall perish. But I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall enter the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. And of every living thing of all flesh you shall bring with every kind into the ark, Keep them alive with you, they shall be male and female. Of the birds after their kind, and of the animals after their kind, of every creeping thing of the ground after its kind, two of every kind will come to you to keep them alive. As for you, take for yourself some of all food which is edible, and gather it to yourself, and it shall be food for you and for them. Thus Noah did. According to all that God had commanded him, so he did. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for your word. Thank you for men like Noah, uh, fathers who were faithful to you. Not a perfect man by any means, but a man who was faithful. And Father, that's the, the calling, the challenge we're given today. Whether we're fathers or moms or sons or daughters, whoever we are, Lord, we're called to be faithful to you. And so help us by your grace and mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. What would you think of a man who preached for 100 years and only seven people listened to what he had to say? Would you say that he had missed his calling? <laughs> would you call such a man of failure? When we think of the life of Noah, we usually think of a man who built an ark, built a boat. But did you know that Noah was a preacher? Yes, he was. We know that from Second Peter chapter 2, verse 5, Noah is described as a preacher of righteousness. And Noah likely preached for at least a hundred years while he was building that boat, Seven people believed. There were only eight that were spared in that flood. But I would suggest to you that Noah was not a failure. Not by any stretch of the imagination. The seven whom he reached were the most important ones to him, his family, his own family. God used him to reach those who were under his spiritual care. So he was not a failure by any means. Noah was a faithful father, a faithful man of God. I would suggest to you there's three ways in which we see that in the text that we read this morning. First of all, Noah was faithful to the Lord. Noah's relationship with God actually began with God's gracious work in his life. And we see that in verse 8 where it says that Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. The word translated favor here uh, comes from a, a word meaning to bend or 
to stoop. And it's often translated with the word grace. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Some of our translations translate it that way. And thus it pictures unmerited favor given by one who's in a position of authority. In other words, someone above us bends down to us. Someone stoops down to us and shows us his favor, his grace. And that is a beautiful picture of salvation, isn't it? We are (laughs) way down here and God is way up there, but he bends down He stoops down to us. He sent Jesus for us. Unmerited favor. That's what Noah experienced. The unmerited favor of God. He did not deserve this, uh, being saved. Just like you and I don't deserve salvation, but God is gracious. He bends down. He stoops down to save us. And I believe it's important to notice How God's grace in the life of Noah is mentioned before anything that is said about how he lived. Because that's the proper order, isn't it? It's the grace of God that comes first. The life that is changed because of that grace becomes evident to others. David Atkinson asks the question. He says, could it be that the author is seeking to highlight the fact that the public life of Noah who walked with God and built an ark, emerges out of the secret story of Noah as a recipient of God's grace. He goes on to say, the author of this text has very carefully ensured that we read about the grace of God before before we read about Noah's obedience of faith. So that's where it starts, right? Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. One author puts it this way. To understand this phrase, that Noah found grace, he said, read it backward. Grace found Noah. (laughs) I think that's good. Because, what does the Bible say? Do any of us naturally seek for God? Absolutely not. The Lord looked down from heaven, the psalmist says, to see if there were any who sought after him. None. No, not one. But the Son of Man has what? Come to seek and to save that which was lost. So God is the one who takes the initiative in our salvation. We respond to him, but God is the one that seeks for us. And for that reason, we have nothing to boast about, do we? We have no reason to boast. The only thing that we can boast in today is the cross of Jesus. Because it's by His favor, His grace, that He would stoop down to us and save us. Dads, that's where it's got to start, right? That's where it must begin. Where we experience the saving grace of God. Because we will never be what we want to be and what God calls us to be unless we have that relationship with Jesus. It's got to start there. That's where it started with Noah. Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. 
So having experienced the favor of God, notice how that resulted in Noah's life in a personal, living, growing relationship with the Lord. Verse 9 says then, These are the records of the generations of Noah. Noah was a, a righteous man, by faith, right? Blameless in his time. And then we have this statement, Noah walked with God. That's what happens when you have that relationship with Jesus by grace through faith. It's the start of a journey, a relationship of walking with God. And that's essential as a father because this is how ongoing change comes into our life. The more we tend to spend time walking with the Lord, the more we become like Him, and the more we become like Him, the greater impact we have on others, including our children, because they see the process of sanctification taking place in our lives as we are walking with God. And it's evident to them that this is God's work. God is changing us as we walk with Him. Walking with God is where we find the strength to live the Christian life. His presence with us empowers us to live in obedience to Him. And walking with God is also how we are prepared for facing the challenges that are sure to come our way. You see, in one way or another, our faith is going to be tested. If we put our trust in Jesus and we begin walking with Him, we are going to come to a place in many places throughout life where our faith is going to be tested. It was for Noah, right? And it is for us as well. And as we consistently spend time with Jesus, as we consistently are walking with God, when things get tough, it makes a difference. It does. I think of Daniel. Remember Daniel? Daniel chapter 6. You don't pray to any other God for 30 days, and if you do, you'll be thrown into the lion's den. Listen to what Daniel chapter 6 verse 10 says. Now when Daniel knew that the document was signed, he entered his house. Now in his roof chamber he had windows open toward Jerusalem. And it doesn't say he started praying. <laughs> it says he continued kneeling on his knees three times a day, praying and giving thanks before his God as he had been doing previously. So what do we learn about Daniel's relationship? He was walking with God. He had a consistent, ongoing relationship with God. And when the time of testing came, he stood up. He continued. Jesus' disciples are an example of the very opposite. Remember when Jesus invited them to pray and he warned them? He said, watch and pray. That you enter not into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And when Jesus came back to the three, what were they doing? Sleeping, right? That's to wake you up if you're sleeping. Sleeping. And when the time of testing came, what happened? Oh, Peter said, I'll stand with you. And yet the scripture says that they all forsook him and fled. They were hiding behind locked doors, fearful of what may come, because they were not ready. Jesus, you've got to watch and pray. There is an ongoing, consistent relationship with Jesus that makes a difference in our lives. 
I think of my basketball coach, Eric the Red, we called him. He was a red-haired guy, and he had a red-haired personality. I mean, he was... And I can still picture here in my mind his voice. After practice, we're running those... Uh, we called them lumberjacks, because we were the cloquet lumberjacks. You've got to run fourth and back, half and back, three-fourths and back, fourth and back. Some call them killers or whatever you call them. And I can still hear him saying fourth quarter you know like okay you gotta you gotta be ready for that time and he used to tell us many times he said guys you need to remember the game isn't won on friday oh what do you mean that's when we play he said the game is won monday tuesday wednesday and thursday getting ready for friday and if you don't have that consistent effort in practice on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, you're not going to be ready for Friday. And the same is true in the Christian life. If you're not walking with God on a consistent basis, what's going to happen when the time of testing comes? Noah walked with God. And when the time of testing came, he was ready. He stood firm because of that relationship with God. So Noah was faithful to the Lord. Which led to the second thing, that Noah was faithful against the world, against all the, the pressure of the world upon him. Now, many of us struggle, don't we, with the fact that we live in a fallen world. We live in a sinful world. And there's a battle raging, isn't there? A battle raging in our culture that seems to become more intense every year. Just think of what has happened in, in your lifetime. Even those of you who are young, even if you're 10 years old, there's a lot of changes that has come into our world. A lot of uh, challenges and, and battles that are really becoming much more intense. And we bemoan the fact that, well, what, what kind of a world is this becoming? What kind of a world did Noah live in? Think of it. Here's the description, verse 5. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. I mean, it's how, how, how much... I mean, how do you add anything more to that? I mean, the Lord was sorry that he made man on the earth. It grieved his heart. Verse 7, he's sorry that I have made them. Verse 11, the earth was corrupt in the sight of the God, and the earth was filled with violence. God looked on the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way upon the earth. Verse 13, the end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence. I mean, you talk about a, a, a world to live in. Was it worse then? Yes, it was. Now, it's hard for us to imagine as things continue to slide downhill we wonder has it ever been worse it, it has in the days of Noah think of what it was like when he walked the face of this earth so if we think we have it rough if we think our culture is is down the tubes boy I'll tell you what just think of what what Noah lived in so corrupt that only Noah and his family were saved Noah's children, think about it, were the only ones who could ever say about something sinful, everyone else is doing it. Parents, have you heard that? Well, 
Everyone else is doing it. Everyone else is wearing these clothes. Everyone else is doing it. Huh? Well, Noah's kids could say, you know what, Dad, everyone else. Well, Noah said, that don't matter if everyone else does it. We're not going to do it in our house. And so Noah faced a lot of pressure to compromise. He was asked to build an ark out in the middle of the desert. <laughs> Hadn't rained before. The, the time it took to build that can you imagine that? Day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, decade after decade. Now, some of us might start out well, but boy, I'll tell you what, if you're going, you know, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 years on, on one project, it's like, whoa, think of that. And all the while he is building, what do you think people were saying to him? Noah, you are nuts. You are crazy. What on earth are you doing? You, are, you have lost your marbles. Can't you just hear them scoffing at Noah? Many people would have probably caved to the pressure like this, but Noah, here was a man who was walking with God. God had told him to do this. <laughs> and even if he and his family were the only ones the only ones, they were going to be faithful to God. Like Joshua, remember what he said, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And that's the, that's the testimony that we pray would be ours, right? As you see the culture of our world today, just, I don't know how you describe it. We just need to say, you know what? Regardless of what the world does, in our house. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. There was a man who uh, started selling fish. And so he put out a sign that said, fresh fish for sale today. And he invited people to come and buy, their fit, buy some fish. Well, many came and they congratulated him. And one suggested a change in his sign. Why the word today? Everybody knows it's today. So he took the word today off the sign. It said, fresh fish for sale. And then someone else came along and said, why the words for sale? Everybody knows you're selling fish. You have them for sale. So he took the words for sale off. Someone else came and said, why the word fresh? You're a man of integrity. That guarantees your fish to be Fresh, and so he took the word fresh off. There was only one word left now, and it was the word fish. And someone complained about that. He said, I, I smelled your fish two blocks away. Why do you need a sign that says fish? And so he took the word fish off. There was nothing, nothing left on his sign. Now we might chuckle at something like that, but that's a sad picture of how many... Christians live, they do whatever the world tells them to do. Instead of transforming the culture, they conform to the culture, and as a result, it's hard to tell the difference between those who know Jesus and those who don't. And if there's no difference in the way that we live from the world in which we live, why would anybody want to come to Jesus, huh? What would it say? It hasn't made a difference in your life. And so, when you think of 
of Noah, it would have been easy for him to just conform with the way that everybody else was living, but he wasn't going to let the world squeeze him into its mold. Huh? Isn't that how J.B. Phillips translates Romans 12? Don't be conformed to the world. Don't let the world squeeze you into its mold because that's what the world wants to do. It wants to squeeze us into its mold so that we are no different than those who don't know the Lord. There ought to be a difference. We are a peculiar people, right? That's what Scripture says. I don't know if that means weird. Maybe we're weird too, right? Who cares if we're weird? We're different. But hopefully different in a way that causes people to say, hmm, there's something about them, people. There's something about those Christians. There's something about them that they have something that I don't have. So there's the challenge. So Noah was faithful to the Lord. He was faithful against the world. And this might be the most challenging one. The third one, Noah was faithful over time. Over time. The challenges of the Christian life are many. But would you think that the greatest challenge of consistency, consistently living the Lord is to live that way over time? Time. Think about it. Time has a way of testing our commitment to Jesus, maybe more than anything else. And there are many examples of that in Scripture. Think of all those who began well, started well, and then just fizzled spiritually. I mean, you could give examples like King Saul, right? First king of Israel. Humble man, hiding in the baggage when it came time for him to be publicly anointed. And yet, what happened to him? Jealous of David, trying to kill him. He really did not end well. Solomon, King Solomon. Wisest man that ever lived. What happened to him? How many wives and concubines did he have? A thousand of them? And he had them together? Turned his heart away from the Lord? Samson? Demas in the New Testament? Demas has loved this present world over time these people who had at one time walked with the Lord just kind of drifted from him and I'm sure we could think of examples of people we know that I remember a, a man that I knew uh, he he had walked with the Lord was really on fire for him and and I remember a turning point in my life when I was in college and I, I shared with him about how I'd rededicated my life to the Lord and I wanted to serve the Lord. And you know what he told me? He said, that'll go away. It did with me. I said, really? I said, you think that's God's plan for us? That we have this enthusiasm when we come to the Lord, but then that'll go away? I said, I pray to God it will never go away. Lord, help me to walk with you consistently over time. Our Christian testimony should not be all in the past tense. (laughs) What it used to be. Yeah, when I first came to Jesus, oh, I was so excited. I loved the Word. What about today? What about today? 
Are you walking with Jesus today? Consistent over time. As you get older, those of us who are... I don't want to put you in a category, but if you feel like you're older, don't you want to finish well? To come to the end and say, I have fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. Right? Not just starting well, but but finishing well. And Noah finished well over time. That's why God used him to make an impact on the lives of his children. I read a poem that uh, kind of challenged me and, and scared me a little bit. In Daddy's Shoes. I watched him playing around my door, my neighbor's little boy of four. I wondered why a child would choose to wear his dad's old worn-out shoes. I saw him try with all his might to make the laces snug and tight. I smiled to see him walk, and then he'd only step right out again. I heard him say, his voice so glad, I want to be just like my dad. I hope his dad, his steps would choose, safe for his son to wear his shoes. And then a shout and cry of joy, a hello dad and hiya boy. They walked along and measured stride, each face aglow with love and pride. What have you done today, my lad? I tried to wear your old shoes, dad. They are big, but when I am a man, I'll wear your shoes. I know I can. They stopped and stood there hand in hand. He saw his son's tracks in the sand. His words of prayer came back to me. Lord, let my steps lead him to thee. If you're a father who cares about the spiritual lives of your children, a poem like that is is kind of convicting and scary, isn't it? And it causes us to say, Lord... I don't have in myself what it needs to be, what I need to be as a, as a godly father. Lord, you, you need to be the one that, that does that in my life. If that's how you feel today as a dad, I want to encourage you that, that none of us have what it takes to be the kind of father that, that we want to be, at least in ourselves. But as we recognize our need, as we recognize that we need the grace of God. We need the mercy of God. We, we cry out to God and say, God, help me. Help me. Noah wasn't a faithful father on his own. He needed the Lord, and by God's grace, he had that living relationship with him. That's where it begins, finding favor in the eyes of the Lord, experiencing the grace of God and salvation, and then that consistent daily walk with Jesus. That's the key. When we walk with Jesus, He empowers us, He changes us, He transforms us, and it becomes visible, especially to those who know us best. I was visiting with a man just a few weeks ago, and he told me, he said, when my dad came to know the Lord, he said, the change in his life was so amazing. He said, us boys just shook our head in amazement. (laughs) 
That's the change God brings. Gives us a love for his word, a love for our family, a love for people, a love for Jesus. And that transforming relationship that God does in us, we call that sanctification. That's what makes an impact on those around us. So dads, we need Jesus, right? That's the bottom line. We need Jesus. And when Jesus is working in us, he produces that fruit of his spirit that makes an impact on all those around us. Let's pray. Father, would you do that work in the lives of of dads today, that work of salvation, that work of your spirit to, to show us, Lord, our need, to point us to Jesus. And then that work of sanctification, Lord, as we walk in fellowship with you, spending time in your word and prayer, experiencing the change that only you, O oh God, can bring in us. Help us not to be squeezed into the mold of the ways of the world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds through your word. These things we pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. I invite you to stand for our closing hymn. Oh,
benediction. Now may the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Thank you.